Welcome to Warriors Off Court. This is Ann Killian. I'm getting to sit in on the podcast for Connor Letourneau, and I want to share with you um, my interview with Steph Curry. I'd been wanting to talk to Steph about his uh, recent advocacy for gender equity, but it tur- our conversation turned into a little bit of a retrospective on where he is now uh, as a 30-year-old in his 10th season. He's got a new baby, so his family is complete now with three kids. His wife is super dynamic, doing all sorts of interesting things. He's um, a guy who is very comfortable in his own skin and speaking out on issues. I've known him since the day he arrived uh, with the Warriors. So it was fun to sit down at, at the practice facility and talk about a bunch of different issues, and I wanted to share that with you, and we'll get to it right after this. I sat down with Steph Curry at the Warriors practice facility in late October. I had wanted to talk to him about an article he wrote for the Players' Tribune where he was a very strong advocate for gender equity, and I was wondering what brought him to that point. He told me a lot about an all-girls basketball camp that he held in August. This summer when I did the the all-girls camp, uh, it was my first time obviously putting that camp on and seeing that many girls. playing basketball, kind of challenging themselves and for me to have uh, the ability to host them for the two days that we did and make it a free camp and whatnot, it kind of just opened my perspective in terms of what's in their future and and kind of breaking it down on things that they might have to deal with uh, as they grow up. Um, And obviously you can't separate the fact that as a a dad, there's issues that I might not have been aware of um, prior that were important. How did that camp come about? I mean, I don't think have, have, has any other NBA players done a girls camp? I haven't heard of any. Um, I know there's a big time, like, uh, women's AAU circuit and things like that, but uh, I do not know of any other example of a was camp that, where was it was, yeah, me and my team putting together where we obviously wanted to use the Warriors, uh, Jeff Diego and his staff, um, they do an amazing job of putting on their camps out the Bay Area, and they have the infrastructure to do it, but we want to kind of create a different feel um, in terms of having, making it all uh, girls only from 8 to 17, I think it was. Yeah. Um, and then obviously the same summer I had was able to invite two uh, elite high school uh, basketball players, two girls, to come to my uh, Under Armour camp, which is the first as well. So. Uh, both those ex- experiences went amazing. I got so much great feedback from uh, AZ Fudd and Cameron Brink, who came to my camp for Under Armour. And then, can't tell how many parents and some of the girls that actually went to the, the camp out in uh, Walnut Creek have yeah. reached out about how cool of an experience it was. And that they hope that we can continue it um, year after year, and that's what we plan on doing. Yeah, I mean, they're just so... I liked, I liked how you wrote about how different girls... I I tried to articulate it as best I could, but like literally it was such a different vibe in terms of like obviously we're playing basketball and the the drills that we're doing are pretty much the same, playing five on five and stuff like that. But in terms of literally like promptness and kind of just, there wasn't as much chaos and um, they were super just genuine appreciative every time I came in, like thanking me for the opportunity to Nobody was being too cool. Not at all. They were 
I got that same feedback from all the counselors that were there. And they, they said they wish they could work that camp every week. But, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was an awesome experience. So what um, you, you know, the, when you, you said, that's not politics, right? And that, I mean, what's the... But everything's politics right now, Everything right? Is, yeah. So what, what was your reaction to it? Or what was the reaction to it? People try to put the conversation back into that bubble in terms of like stuff I was talking about around the pay gap and uh, barriers that women have to go through and kind of just from what I was uh, kind of speaking about, it all kind of goes back to the, the climate that we're in. And it's unfortunate, obviously, because talking about a human level, everybody should have equal opportunity, white, black, brown, no matter, women, men, whatever the case is, and uh, everybody has an opportunity to hopefully move the needle in terms of the communities that they're in, uh, to kind of shed some of that, uh, what do you would call it, call it like systematic oppression, if you will, in terms of like what they can do to kind of, you know, impact people that are around them. And that's the part that I always talk about. There's a lot of talk going on about how do you turn it into action? How do you promote actual change that's tangible, something that, um, you know, creates better situations? And I don't know exactly what the right answer is, but I know using the voice, using the opportunity to create awareness all stretches of the country in terms of uh, whether this is on your radar or not, hopefully me saying something about it, uh, kind of wake people up a little bit. Well, and obviously you took action. I mean, having a camp that, you know, all these little girls love basketball the same way all the little boys do, right? So, I mean, are, are there other things? You, I mean, is it just as simple as that? Like, whatever your realm of expertise, take action in it? I, th I think I talked about it. Um, when we brought some of the uh, influential women in sports business or sports uh, or on, on, on the field of competition or in the business of uh, sports, they came and talked to the, to the, the campers yeah. um, in a little Q&A session. And, like, that was the most impactful part of the camp, I think, in terms of like hearing raw examples of like what these women had to go through to kind of get to where they are, even some of the uh, things they still have to deal with in their positions of power. Like that for me was impactful and touching just knowing like one how hard it was for them and how hard it continuously is but to for them to come back and speak to these you know high school age kids that are starting to think about what they want to do in life if it's you know having uh, a, a job as a professional athlete or in the business of, of, of sports that they empowered them to think that they can do what they want to do Right. Um, gave them some tips on how they can kind of be fluid in their in their in their uh, in their approach and things like that. But I definitely think it's, it starts at the personal level and it kind of works. I think it can work outwards from there in terms of men empowering the women around them to uh, attain what they want to attain. I think. How? Uh... Do you think you'd be a different person on matters like this if you weren't married to Aisha, or, or, well, but you also had your mom. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I've had a, a lot of powerful women around me, a lot of outspoken women um, who had a strong too? influence on me growing up, and yeah, um, was, 
Riley and Ryan, but I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Right. Um, what about having a little boy now? Do you think that's going to change your perspective, or has it already? Not really. I think. I think uh, knowing Riley, like basically how parents of Riley and Ryan so far, like I'm the same way I approach that. Uh, I want to, you know, pass it on to Cannon, but I think for him and having a son now. It's more of a responsibility to live out as, as an example of you know, how a man should carry himself, um, kind of, again, empower the women around him, appreciate the women around him, treat the women around him, whether they're in their family or not. That's my job is you know, not just say it, but to do it and, 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 and live it out. And, um, and there's a, a big, big imp uh, importance on that. And, and being consistent with that, um, you know, as he gets older, as he becomes more aware of what's going on, I think that's important. So I can, I can try to, you know, talk about that with my girls, but being a, a an example for for my son in terms of what that means, uh, hopefully can can send him on his, on the right way, on the right plan. It also might be you might see how the. It might not be what you do, but how the world reacts to a boy as opposed to your girls, you know? Well, it's already happening, for sure, in terms of, like, you see, like, these random stupid comments on social media and stuff, like, around uh, certain stereotypes, you know, like, my son's automatically going to play basketball with my girls, never, that was never a conversation, like, oh, I've been waiting on that boy for this or that reason, and it's, like, kind of compounds on itself, but that's part of it for me to... Uh, the way that I try to represent, like, what my girls are capable of, obviously what Aisha's capable of in life, like, it doesn't matter, um, boy, girl, whatever it is, like, if Ryan says she wants to be a professional basketball player, like, I'm going to do everything in my power to make that happen for her. Yeah, uh, of course. It doesn't mean just because he's, uh, who he is, that means he's kind of destined to be something that, uh... Right, right, they're already putting yeah, him in that box. rewriting his story for him it's kind of funny just to see how that reaction happens yeah when he's three months old I know, exactly. <laughs> um i know you said it's not politics right but i mean I, I saw steve speak last night at usf and and he was being asked about his outspokenness and he just said it you know it's the times demand it um do you feel that way that that uh it's important or do you think you would be outspoken no matter what the times were I've always had, I've been asked that question in terms of like, like athletes and influencers of all like generations past, guys who weren't majoritaire, guys who say they might not have taken such a vocal stance on the social issues and things like that for whatever reason. Um, part of my DNA is like, I don't think it didn't matter what I, uh, when I would have grown up or what era I would have been living in in terms of like there's been issues going on for, for centuries now and this, we just have much more of a platform to let our voice kind of speak louder um, and, and reach further and hopefully again move the needle in a positive way um, and every opportunity that I have to do that I'm going to do it so um, yeah. do you feel more now that you're you're 30 you've been in the league for 10 years do you do you, do you feel more comfortable doing that I mean could, would you have thought in 2009 that you would be that kind of person or no actually I don't I don't think so I I, I think 
I'm comfortable with knowing that I'm not going to please everybody with what I say or with my like, stance on it. I think that's the biggest thing. It's not so much. You try to be educated, you try to be articulate, you try to uh, be just well-versed in what you're talking about, but in terms of like, I understand as soon as I say something or plant a flag on one side of the argument or not, that there's going to be some backlash and people are going to kind of come out the woodworks and try to poke and prod and, and whatnot. That's just part of the territory. And obviously, I, like you talked about, Coach Kerr and other people that are in this league that have been very outspoken um, you know, with their platforms. Like that, That's encouraging to know um, it doesn't really – you just got to stand for something, I think, as you, as you go through. Uh, and, and you can speak for people that, that can't really speak for themselves. And that's, that's partly you know, why I feel like it's, it's important. I went down to this thing last week for the 50th anniversary of Tommy Smith and John Carlos. And um, it's a really interesting panel. But there was some discussion about why NBA players feel more comfortable than maybe other athletes. Do you have any theories on that? We are the most visible in terms of like there's 450 of us in this league, and it's kind of hard to go uh, unnoticed. Like if you're out in the public or whatnot, or, right? You're recognizable. Uh, yeah, more than any other athlete. So I feel like we understand the true power of our voice. Um, we do have, and knowing we have support from the league that we play in, in terms yeah. of yeah, that's a lot um, of it, right? You know, so always can, been more progressive. Yeah, and more collaborative in terms of like issues that are important to us. They they listen. They try to support. It's not it's as much of a contentious relationship in that sense. Um, we all have evolved. Um, the league that I played in the '09 to when Coach Kerr played, it's obviously evolved and um, become more, um, for lack of a better term, more woke. Yeah. Um, but we and we all have each other's backs. So I think that's the biggest thing. You saw what Brian did for me. So uh, Trump went at him after he announced the school. How many NBA players spoke up? Uh, they supported LeBron. How we all uh, from the I can't breathe camp like uh, situation. Uh, how many guys wore T-shirts to uh, what Melo, CP, D Wade, and Brian did at the ESPYS. Like that can go on and on and on. We all encourage each other to, and those conversations go on when people don't really know. Like we all try to, um, whether it's a financial support, whether it's you know, uh, sending attention from a social media post or whatever, like supporting each other, that goes a long way. And those conversations happen on the daily. Yeah, um, and that's I think that's we're, we're a lot closer probably than most other leagues. One of those things came up uh, at that thing talking about um, when I think you're part of it. Uh, Supporting uh, uh, past NBA players oh, yeah. who are the, struggling with, the healthcare. with with healthcare. So you guys got together and put together like a the player association thing. Um, but yeah, in terms of like, once you're in this league, obviously you're part of the brotherhood, and um, you know, we're all blessed to play the game we love, love and get paid to do it handsomely. And like, there's nothing that we should want in this world. But like, if we have the opportunity to. Uh, yeah, to pass that back to people that like, I think the, the leadership in, the, in, the, in our player association, our league, understand that we're in this position because of 
the 74, 75 team, the guys that are here, like, they did a lot and sacrificed a lot so that the NBA could right. survive and whatnot. And so we went past that, past that back to them. Um, but yeah, that's like just part of like the connectivity we have as a as a collective body, which is good. One quick question about your dad. Uh, how is it for you to? I mean, you grew up in locker rooms. How is it for you to be sharing these uh, these records with him now? Is it kind of surreal or? Well, just... Everything about this is surreal. I'm... <laughs> You mean your your life? Yeah, like, <laughs> a, especially growing up around it. Like, my dad was played 16 years in the league, and I was holding on to his coattails literally everywhere he went. So I had a appreciation for, like, what his life was like and the demands and how he managed his time and the attention he got and all that stuff, especially growing up in Charlotte. But, like, this is an entirely different level that even he admits he can't relate to. Right. Um, but yeah, like anytime you know our, our names come up in some statistical history book or whatever, or um, you see players that come in asking, "How's your dad doing?" Like I played against him such and such, or whatever the case is. Like I remember those days, but now that I'm you know in the in the fight and pushing the. Uh, the envelope forward for, for my generation and trying to be one of the leaders in that, like, this just, just doesn't make sense. And I, I've known in about eight years and I'm 10 years and I'm done playing. And I'll sit back on my lazy boy and, like, think about all this stuff. <laughs> um, yeah. It'll hit me then, but right now it's just, it's just really weird. Can you believe it's been 10 years? Uh-uh. So, like, no. I, would, I mean, I've spent I three years in I remember you sitting in here at the media day. Remember, remember all of that. Like uh, coming from Davidson, playing like those three years I was there. Those three years felt like the same, like ten that I've been playing here. But I'm just thinking about all that we've I've experienced. Um, the lows of the Nelly, I shouldn't say the, the the low win totals of that Nelly year to three yeah. banners and whatnot. It is crazy. Like and even the part like we have team meetings now. Um, watching film and stuff and we'll have like coming to Jesus heart to heart meetings as a team about like after we lose a game or you might scrap through two three wins and just not feel good about how we're playing and we only had those back when we were having like 10 game losing streaks right, right. <laughs> so this is a whole different atmosphere that I truly appreciate the, the, the change but uh, it doesn't, doesn't really make sense I've been here 10 years and still Last night, Steve, Steve said he didn't think that and it, people had as much fun last year because it was such a slog. Would you agree? I mean, you always have fun, but... I tried to. I mean, I had injuries to deal with and all that stuff, too, so yeah. Yeah, it wasn't fun either, but... Um, I don't know. There's something to... They said we, I mean, we brought back pretty much the exact same team from first championship or from 17 championship to last year so it was a little it wasn't much surprise at all um, right. the China the overseas trip and preseason and all that the, the, it was a choppy preseason so nobody really got comfortable right. got into a rhythm uh, I think all that had to do with it but this year there's young guys that were trying to groom into 
new roles that are going to really help us be yeah. successful this year. Um, and then obviously the, uh, the big question mark around DeMarcus, when he's going to come back. And yeah. Sounds, sounds like sooner than possibly it helps us, Yeah, it helps us. It's funny, like Sean Livingston, after every game, he'll or either yeah, after every game he'll yell out how many games that we have left in the regular season. <laughs> we had to tell him. Stop it. It's first week, let's not do that. I, uh, nobody wants to come in after game three and hear 79. Do you think you're going to, are you going to try and play in the Olympics? I think so. Yeah. Um, obviously, two summers away, but uh, I've never had that opportunity. I know, you have backed up. and whatnot, so. You're so popular around, not just in, around the country, but also around the globe, obviously, China. Like, do you think your messages about things like gender equality resonate globally in any way? I mean, you've obviously done stuff like your net thing in Africa and stuff. I mean, can, can, you, can you take that message further than just the United States? Yeah, I did States? this summer, I think. Uh, I went on a tour to Asia and a tour to Europe and Paris and London. I actually got probably probably twenty five percent of the interviews I did over there uh, that came up in terms of oh really um, just continuing that conversation. So I would hope that all the work that like I know what I stand for and kind of what I've been a champion of, or trying to draw attention to and things like that. I would hope that. Hear my name come up, or you know, whatever that those things are attached to it. Um, well, you got all those women around you who are gonna hold your feet to the fire, right? <laughs> oh, they do every day. That's, uh, that's, How's Aisha doing? She she uh, had to do a surgery. Yeah, she had a little thyroid situation, but uh, she's doing well. She's actually she's busier than I am. Actually, I have a pretty set schedule. I know where I'm gonna be for eight right. games. And right. Her schedule is even crazier, and she's. Um, got a three-month-old attached at the hip so right you said that she was really cherishing the the baby time she was i I get jealous all the time because i have to steal my moments away from her (laughs) Um, yeah she's that's cool she's killing the game and it's been uh it's the biggest reward i've seen just from her is just kind of i want to be like breaking the stereotype in terms of like being a working mom and kind of the, all the, the demands that come with that and kind of perception as well around how she's spending her time. Right, um, right, because people assume, well, she's Steph Curry's wife, right? Yeah, questioning a lot of stuff. And she's very aware of kind of how she, uh, of, I guess, how she inspires people to do what she does. And uh, You got your whole... This is a family affair now too, right? You got a, your brother-in-law on the team. That's uh, He's uh, got everybody slowly but surely moving out to, to the West Coast. <laughs> uh, your parents are still in Charlotte, though, right? Yeah, well, to, uh, I guess, yeah they, they still have a residence there, but they're they're they're, they're living out of suitcases most of the time. Yeah. Um, whether it's going to Portland to see my brother or out here to see me and my sister, so and, and the grandbabies. But, uh, yeah. A lot going on, a lot of good, great stuff, and, and I was a family she's for, so um, 
try to support as much as you can. It's just nice that everybody's a little closer in proximity for the time being. Yeah. Has uh, the little guy been to a game? He went to overnight. He did? Yeah, he went to overnight. He went to San Jose. The ring's as big as he is. I tried it. I tried Rick Welts on last night. Oh, my God. He was asleep when we got back. I couldn't. I was going to take a picture of him holding it, but (laughs) to be continued. To be continued. Steph looks like he's having another MVP season, so we'll be doing podcasts and writing stories about him all season long. So stay tuned to Warriors Off Court. Connor Letourneau will be back. And King Kaufman is producing. And thanks for letting me sit in. Follow me on Twitter at Ann Killian. Warriors Off Court is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, please subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd rate and review it as well, that helps us build our audience. You can also support Warriors Off Court and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe. Subscribe.